So for the last while, I've been hearing this theme again and again in our church, this theme of family. Hearing people talk about or pray about during the service, praying about how grateful they are for this church family, uh, talking about it in sermons. And so, and that's not surprising to me as we talk about family because family is so important to us. It's amazing how family shapes us. And so for the next three weeks, we are going to be working through a series on family, loving like family. The first week we'll be talking about loving. Today we'll be talking about loving our family like family. And then next Sunday we'll be talking about loving our church, our church family like family. And then the third Sunday we'll be talking about loving our neighbor like family. But today we're going to be starting at the inner circle, loving our family like family. Because, I mean, whether our parents are alive or whether they have have died years ago, they still affect our lives, right? Or what about our brothers and sisters? If you have brothers and sisters, how they affect our lives. Or your spouse, if you're married, how your spouse affects your life. Or how your kids affect your life, if you have children. The thing is, families have a ton of effect on us. They, They matter so much to us. Even when we try to convince ourselves that they don't matter, they matter. But that's true, I mean, but it's also true that families come with a lot of baggage. Am I right? I mean, families can come with all sorts of things, blessings and curses, uh, encouragement and discouragement. And if some of you are feeling this, I want to encourage you, you're not alone. You're not alone in this. I've been studying uh, the, the Word this week and, and listening to God, and this question keeps coming up. Uh, families can be a place of, of blessing and courage. They can be a place of encouragement and discouragement. How do we help move our families from a place of discouragement to encouragement? I don't know, maybe some of you are feeling somewhat discouraged about a relationship in your family. Or maybe some of you have a friend who's discouraged in their family. And I don't need anybody to show their hands or anything like that, but how many of you are here this morning who are somewhat discouraged about your marriage? How many of you are here today somewhat discouraged about a relationship with your parent? Or maybe, a, or maybe a, an in-law or a step-parent? How many of you are here this morning and discouraged about the situation with your kids? When you start thinking about these things, you can start to think, like, yeah, families matter a lot. Families matter uh, so much. But how do we How can we move our family from discouragement to encouragement? But the thing is, as soon as we ask that question, our next question is, wow, how do we do that? Where do we go for help with that? That's why I love the Word of God. That's why I love the Scriptures. why I love the Bible. Because not only does the Bible tell us about God's great story of redemption, it also guides us through life. And I know I say this every week. You know what? I do that on purpose. Because I want us to see that the Bible is not a giant phone book of rules to follow. The Bible is not just a big book of religious platitudes. It is a story, a great story, of God's redemption of all of humanity. It's a great story that not only tells about how how God desires and loves us and forgives us, but also about how God guides us through life. Because in this book, there there is instruction. There's a guide on the best way to live. The way to live life in its fullest sense. So this morning we're going to be starting, uh, we're going to be reading out of Ephesians. If you have your Bibles and you want to open to Ephesians chapter 4, or if you want to, you've got this insert in your bulletin too. This is actually, I know we call it Ephesians, but this is actually 
a letter that Pastor Paul, a really early uh, pastor in the church, wrote to a church in modern-day Turkey, uh, a church in Ephesus. And he wrote this to them. He said, Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as, Christ, uh, just as in Christ God forgave you. Be imitators of God, therefore as dearly loved children, and live a life of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Now, many of you hear that and you realize, you know, actually Paul's talking to the church family about how to relate as the church family. But I also, as I was praying and reading this this week, this is also immediately applicable to our families as well. The ways that we love our families as family. So, if you look at the, the passage here with me, you see it right there at verse 31 it says, Get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger and brawling, slander along with every form of malice. Paul begins by saying, get rid of the ugliness in your relationships. Get rid of it. And if you read through those, you kind of see that he begins by talking about bitterness. And I think of it sort of uh, like this crescendo of anger. This bitterness is kind of like more like, you know, like your pot on low simmer. But then he says also, but get rid of the anger and the rage and the, and the, the brawling and actually like the shouting matches that can, that can turn into this nuclear meltdown. Get rid of those as well. But also get rid of the thing that happens at, on the other side of the argument. That slander. The, the times, the kind of the cold war that happens after the argument. The saying, the, the biting remarks, the sarcastic things. Get rid of all these things. Get rid of all this ugliness. But the thing I want to focus on this morning is the bitterness part. You know, if you are in your family, if you're struggling with the nuclear meltdowns, the, the rage and the anger and the, the uh, shouting matches, I, I, seriously, I want to invite you to come and, and talk with me this week or in the coming weeks. I would love to, to encourage you and to pray with you about that. But I also realize that for most people, or for many people in the church, it's, those, are, those can be issues that many of us need to talk more about bitterness especially in our culture, which is way more socially acceptable. We need to talk about bitterness, about that slow simmer that we have for people, for things that have gone wrong, and how we kind of keep it on the fire. Not hot, it doesn't boil over, but we keep it warm, that bitterness. Maybe bitterness for our parents. Maybe things that our parents have done years ago, things that we still it still hurt us when we think about them. Or maybe bitterness with our spouse. Things that they did even this last week that we're still upset about, that we're still hurt by it. See, we need to keep letting go of these things. Keep getting rid of this bitterness. Because it doesn't always blow out. That, or blow up. That's often the, the surprising part or the ironic part. It doesn't blow up often. It just sort of simmers. And we find ourselves having these fantasy conversations where we tell so-and-so exactly what we think, exactly what we wish they would just finally hear. Or maybe we don't even talk about it at all. Or maybe what we do is we actually have these biting remarks, these little shots that we take, these tiny little pinpricks. We walk through the house, and maybe everything looks okay on the outside, but we walk through the house stabbing each other these tiny little pins. 
Bitterness is horrible. Bitterness tears families apart. I know it's slow, so you may think, well, maybe it would be okay. If we're just okay, we'll just leave the bitterness alone. Bitterness kills families. Bitterness alienates people. Bitterness isolates each other. I'm still working on some bitterness in my life. I know I'm the pastor supposed to have it together. I don't. Sorry. But even my own life, I... It's a, my, one of the places I'm still working on is with my, my biological father. And my, my dad left when I was, my mom and I left when I was one. And by the time I was five, he moved across state. So I saw him maybe once or twice a year. And then when I was 10, he moved to California. I didn't really see or hear from him again until I was in my 20s. And my grandmother had died. And so he came back to, to Spokane where I grew up. And to, to see me, to, I think to kind of see how I turned out. Because you know, I hadn't talked with him in, in years. I think it was 10 years since I'd talked with him. And so it's interesting. You can imagine how awkward that dinner was. But one of the things that he said hurt. It, he said to me, he said, you know, Jason, I, I never left you. I never abandoned you. You could have always called me. <laughs> I'm glad that you sensed that too. It's not just me. You know, and, and you know, it, it, it's not like I blew up there or anything like that. But, you know, after a while, you, know, you start realizing, like, I was the kid. He was the grown-up. And I know what he meant. Like, he meant to say, I, I, didn't, I didn't abandon you, because I think he felt like he did. But I can tell you, like, as I thought about that, even as I was working on this sermon this week, I had to take time and I had to forgive him again. Because it kind of, not kind of, it does. It, it makes me angry. It hurts. Say, like, I never abandoned you. You could have always called me. But the thing is, I keep letting that bitterness go. I keep doing, I keep getting rid of it. Because the bitterness destroys me. I mean, it doesn't really affect him much. And actually, he, he died a few years ago. But the bitterness would destroy me. It's interesting. The late Nelson Mandela, he had this quote. He said, Bitterness is the poison we drink hoping to kill our enemy. Listen to that again. Bitterness is the poison we drink hoping to kill our enemy. So it's no surprise to me that, that Paul begins, or at least in this passage here, this part of it, saying, get rid of the bitterness. You're not, you're not hurting them. You're not teaching them a lesson. It's just destroying you. It's like cancer. It's eating you up from the inside. Get rid of bitterness. Get rid of the anger and the shouting matches and the slander. But this morning I hear God especially saying to us, get rid of the bitterness. Thankfully, God does not leave it there. Paul does not leave it there. He says, get rid of the bitterness and foster forgiveness. Foster, cultivate forgiveness. And we've been talking about the, the garden uh, some this morning, about there's a lot of work out there cultivating the soil. I hear Paul saying the same thing, foster forgiveness, cultivate the soil of forgiveness. He talks about being, about being kind and compassionate with one another and about forgiving just as Jesus has forgiven, or just as God has forgiven us in Christ. And I can tell you, like in my life, forgiveness keeps coming. I mean, even as I thought about it, even as I was preaching this or practicing this morning, the sermon, 
are going through it in my head, I, again, like, I forgave my dad for, for how badly he messed up as a father. But I also realize it helps me to, to forgive him. And I, I offer this to you that I started learning more about my dad. My, my mom uh, told me that when he was a kid, he was actually, when he was an early teen, he was sent uh, to a nearby farm to work for, food, or for uh, room and board. And I don't know like, how, I don't know if it's because he was a trouble or I don't know if it's because my, my grandparents didn't have money to support him. But my mom said it was always hard for him. He couldn't be involved in stuff at school because he had to get up in the morning and work, then go to school, and then hurry back and, and do chores again. He couldn't really be involved because he was working for room and board. So that's, I mean, that could be a pretty significant thing in and of itself. But then my mom also told me that, that he was a Vietnam veteran. And she said he went, to, he went to Vietnam one man, and he came back a different man. Completely different. And she, talked, she said he didn't talk much about what, he, what had happened there, but the few things he did mention were horrific. And so I say this because it helps me realize that my, my dad, he's not a villain. He's not a, a bad guy with a curly mustache who'd set out to hurt me. Horrible things had happened to him. And I say this not to justify what he did, not to say, oh, I'm sure it's okay, you know, he didn't mean it, but to help us, maybe help you see that maybe there's someone in your family that it's pretty discouraging your relationship with them, but to help you see that maybe there's things that have made them this way. And not to, to paper over it, not to dismiss how they've hurt you, but to realize that maybe they're broken too and to acknowledge that. And it helps us. It helps us to be kind and compassionate and to forgive as Jesus forgave us. That's what I want to focus this morning is on forgiveness. I know Paul talks about being kind and being compassionate and we can talk about those another time, but I feel like if we want to help our families move from discouragement to encouragement, forgiveness is a powerful place to start. Because forgiveness propagates through a family. Forgiveness spreads and grows in a family. Just like bitterness grows if you cultivate it, so does forgiveness. I was talking with a friend earlier this week, and they were saying that when one person comes into their family or comes into the room, their whole attitude affects the whole rest of the family. And it's amazing how powerful that happens, or powerfully that happens in families. And so I'm saying this, that we can be that person of bitterness in our family, adding to it, or it can be that person of forgiveness in our families. And that begins to grow and multiply. I'm not saying it's perfect all the time, and sometimes we get hurt, but I'm saying if we are gracious and forgive, it affects our families. The thing is, I'm not talking about... Um, false or fake forgiveness. I'm not talking about papering over the things that have been wrong. You know, sometimes we do that. We say, oh, it it was no big deal. I I know. It's just no big deal. I don't even want to think about it. It's in the past. Or we say things like, I'm sure they didn't mean to do it. I'm I'm sure it just, you know, just bad situation. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about dismissing the pain or the hurt that has been caused to us. I'm talking about forgiving through it. 
about forgiving them despite the pain. Because it's amazing how God uses that. How God uses that in us. I know some of you might be thinking, you know, Jason, I hear what you're saying, but you don't know what they did. You don't know how badly it's hurt. And you're right. You're absolutely right. I don't know how bad it's hurt. I don't know what they did. But I do know this, is that forgiveness is the way to freedom. And some of you might be thinking, you know, I don't want to set them free. (laughs) Just you don't understand. I don't want them to get off of this. But that's the thing. Forgiveness is not so much about setting them free as it is about setting us free. Forgiveness is not so much about getting them off the hook. It's about setting you free. Setting you free to love them despite all the things that they've done, to accept them. It's amazing how we become free. It's amazing how much energy and much of our lives it takes to resent someone. To be angry with people. It like robs you of life. And yet when we can forgive, and like I said, I'm talking about genuine forgiveness. Not just you know, dismissive, like it doesn't hurt me anymore, but like genuine forgiveness. It sets us free to live again. It sets us free to care and to love the rest of our family. You know, I think about my relationship with my dad, and I know that if I didn't keep forgiving him, it would affect my relationship with my sons. Those sort of things, those sort of wounds go from generation to generation. So I think if we want to help our families move from a place of discouragement to encouragement, forgiveness is a great place to begin. But there's another side to this coin, too. There's a side of forgiving, and there's a side of asking for forgiveness. And some of you are saying, whoa, 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 whoa. I'm okay to forgive someone, but asking for forgiveness? No thanks. But listen to this. In verse 32, it says, Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as Christ just as in Christ, God forgave you. How amazing it is that God forgave us. And how that helps us to forgive others. To see, forgiveness is so powerful. I, I'd say, next to I love you, please forgive me are the most powerful words you can speak in a family. The thing is, we... We hate to ask for forgiveness. It feels so vulnerable and it's scary to do it because people can say, no, I don't forgive you and that is so painful. And it seems so counterintuitive when we're in a conflict with someone to put our life in their hands and say, have mercy on me, please forgive me. And I talk with some people and it seems like they would rather have a limb amputated than say, please forgive me. So I realize how hard it can be for some of you. And sometimes we try, we try with half measures. Uh, I don't know if I want to call it half measure, but we say, I'm sorry. Which is oftentimes, maybe most of the time, a great place to begin. But there's a difference between I'm sorry and please forgive me. I mean, I can tell you, there are times when Tracy and I are irritated with each other and I say I'm sorry 
but I'm more like, I'm sorry, which is more like, back off. Which is more like, give me some space, I just need a minute. That's different than saying, please forgive me. See, when, when we say, I'm sorry, it can get it off our chest. It can get off our back. But when we say, please forgive me, it takes it off everybody's back. It brings healing to us and to them and to our, to our member of our family. So I'm hearing God speaking through this, saying, we need to get rid of the bitterness in our lives. The bitterness we share, we continue, this, this hot plate of bitterness that we keep on simmer for people in our family. We need to get rid of it. And we need to foster forgiveness, either forgiving them or asking them to forgive us. So are you with me so far? Get rid of the bitterness. Foster the forgiveness. How many of you are thinking, okay, yeah, Jason, I've read that passage too and I get it. And if it were easy, I'd already be doing it. How many are thinking that? And here's the amazing thing. And it's counterintuitive, but this is where Jesus comes in. Because we, when we try harder, when we try harder to forgive or try harder to get rid of the bitterness, things will go wrong. We actually start to focus on Jesus' forgiveness in our lives. I know this is the ironic part. It's, it's actually when we start to focus on God. We start to focus on God that in Christ he forgave us. Despite all the things that we've done, all the things that we regret, all the things that we are afraid or even ashamed to say out loud. The times when we've hurt people we love or when the people we love have hurt us. All the times when we've rebelled against God, we know what he calls us to do, how he wants us to live, and we decide to do it our own way. Despite all of these things, God still loves you. He still loves you and forgives you and wants you to be in a right relationship with him. When we start to realize this, forgiveness begins to grow in us. And I know, like, we're in a church. And so we all kind of know we're supposed to say, I know I'm forgiven for my sin, I know. But I'm telling you, the, the deeper we realize that God has forgiven us, the more capable we will be of forgiving others. The more we realize that God has forgiven us, the more capable we will be of forgiving others. The, Jesus, uh, actually there's a story about Jesus. He went to a, a dinner party at a Pharisee's house. And there was a woman um, who just says in the scripture, just says a sinner, but a lot of people guess she was probably like a prostitute or something like that. Um, she heard that he was at this dinner. And so she came and she stood at his feet. She stood at his feet and she wept. She just cried. Tears falling on his feet. And she kneeled down and she began to dry them with her hair. And she took out this alabaster jar of perfume and she poured it over his feet. The guy who owned the house thought to himself, you know, if he's such a great prophet, he would know this woman who is touching him, this sinful woman who is touching him. And so Jesus said to Simon, the guy who owns the house, he said, Simon, let me tell you a story. He said, there were two guys who owed a lot of money. One guy owned about a month's wage. The other person owned over two years of wages. 
When the lender realized that neither one of them could pay, the lender forgave the debts. He forgave them. He said, Simon, who do you think loved that lender more? Simon got this part right. He said, well, I think the person who was forgiven more. He said, you have judged correctly. He said, since I've entered your house, you did not offer water for my feet. Yet this woman has wet wet my feet with her tears. When I came, you did not greet me with a kiss, but this woman has not stopped kissing me since she came into the house. You did not offer me oil to anoint my head to refresh me, but yet this woman has poured out expensive perfume on my feet. She has been forgiven much because she loves much. There is this connection between being forgiven and the ability to forgive, this ability to love. Those who have been forgiven little or who think that they've been forgiven little have a hard time forgiving. I'm saying this so that we, I'm telling this story so that we see this connection with realizing how deeply God has forgiven us, how meaningful, how much God has done to forgive us, the sacrifice that he has made. I'm saying this because I don't want you to go out this week and say, I'm going to try harder to get rid of bitterness because that will only make you more bitter. I don't want you to go out this week and say, I'm going to try harder to be more forgiving. Because when we approach it like that, forgiveness becomes more of an exchange. I'm going to forgive you with the expectation that you're going to get it together. I'm going to forgive you with the expectation that you're finally going to get it right. And then people fail again. And we find ourselves just all the more resentful, all the more bitter. Yet when we start to approach it from forgiveness, when we start to approach it through Jesus, through our Lord, who has forgiven us, forgiveness begins to well up in us. This desire to forgive those who have hurt us, to forgive those who have wounded us, it comes, it's like a wellspring, it's like a water that begins to gush up out of us. As we desire to forgive, especially people in our family, people we love. So if we want to forgive, if we want to, to help our families move from discouragement to encouragement, get rid of bitterness and foster forgiveness. But all of this through realizing that God has forgiven us in Jesus. Are you guys with me? Do you see kind of how this works? If we want to help our families move from discouragement to encouragement, it begins in our relationship with Jesus. It begins by knowing him more and realizing how he has forgiven us. Now this is, this is probably not terribly new to a lot of you. You've heard this before. Maybe this is brand new for some of you. And some of you might be asking, okay, so I get it theoretically, or I get it theologically. How can I work this out in my life this week? What can I do tomorrow or this afternoon to begin living this out, to begin applying this word of God to my life? I want you to do one thing this week. Do one thing. Foster forgiveness. Foster forgiveness in your family. I know that for some of you, I'm asking a lot. I know that this is a huge thing that I'm asking. And maybe we're talking about pain that has been there for years. Or maybe we're talking about pain that's only been there for a few weeks. I want you to foster forgiveness. 
pray, begin by praying, God, help me to, to forgive. Begin by praying, God, thank you so much for the ways that you've forgiven me. And then take that next step. Begin that process of forgiveness. I know for some people, it is going to be a process. I know, like, for my situation with my dad, it's an ongoing process. But begin that process, and you will be set free this week. But some of you, maybe you're hearing the Holy Spirit kind of say it a different way. And you're feeling God nudge you to actually ask someone to forgive you. It's a little bit scary, too. Maybe for you this week, fostering forgiveness will be asking someone to forgive you. The encouragement kind of goes the same way. Pray. Begin by praying. Lord God, please give me courage. Courage to say to my family member who I've hurt, the courage to ask them for forgiveness. But more importantly, God, help me to remember, to realize that I am already forgiven in you that we are already forgiven in our Lord Jesus. And that can give us courage to ask for forgiveness in our family. Because the same thing will happen. You will be set free. You will set your family member free from maybe the bitterness or the anger that they've had. And you will be set free from it as well. So I hear, so this is, I want you to do this one thing this week. Foster forgiveness in your family. For some of you, that's going to mean forgiving someone. For others, that's going to mean asking God or asking those people to forgive you. Imagine what this begins to look like in our families. Imagine what this begins to look like in your family. Imagine the healing that you will begin to see this week. Or maybe the seeds that will be planted that will turn into healing in weeks or months to come. Imagine some of the conversations that you will have this week. Imagine some of the the restoration that will happen. Some of the things, the misunderstandings that will be cleared up. Imagine what this could be. Imagine being drawn closer to your family. Imagine your family being marked just a little bit more by grace and forgiveness rather than bitterness. I'm not just sending you out there as sheep among the wolves. I'm sending you out there in the power of our Lord Jesus Christ. The amazing news is you are forgiven already. The more you realize this, the more this becomes a part of your life, the more forgiveness will well up in you. The more you'll begin to see forgiveness happening in your families. Happening in our families. Amen.